We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the Rotoviz College Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Stefan LeCoe, joined by my co-host, Matt Wispay. You can find us on Twitter at the Rotoviz CFB show, but let's be honest, we don't really tweet from there very often. But follow our personal accounts. Follow Matt at Wispy the Kid, and you can find me at Stay Fun Laco. Before we jump into the podcast, though, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle. It is a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire, and I know you want to. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, which is the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're just starting up from scratch or you have an existing show in place that you just want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance in the program is limited, though, so do get your applications in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. You can check out the description box for this episode and find out more, and you can find that link. I highly recommend this as someone who has launched a podcast from scratch. I wish this would have been available to me because it would have saved me so much time and pain. So check out Blue Wire Hustle. Um, that's bwhustle.com slash join if you are interested. All right, Matt. How you doing? I'm all right. It's been a busy week, but uh, you know, it's it's nice to uh, take some time from the day job to think about things that actually make me happy, and that's college football. So 
yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here this week. I got my got my beer in hand, ready to uh, have a discussion. Yeah, we're recording a little early for me to be drinking, um, although that doesn't always stop me. Um, yeah. I'm having a, a really shitty day. Uh, I was working out this morning. I was really excited. I, it was sprint day. So, you know, doing some some intense sprinting and I pulled my hammy. Uh, so I had to hobble off the uh, the field I was training at and I can't walk. And it's really, really a shitty situation. And it reminds me that I'm old. And some of the coaches that we're going to be talking about in today's Coaching Moves episode are quite a bit younger than me. And that's really weird because I remember the day when uh, I was the same age as the players and now the coaches are younger than me. And it's really fucking depressing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not that far behind you. Yeah. So just don't do sprints, man. So what I'm going to say. What sucks is I do sprints probably. I do treadmill sprints probably like twice a week. I will tell you it. Yeah, there are some some days where I'm like, ah, I gotta stop. Yeah, I uh, I felt happy. the pop, you know that pop. Oof. I was like, oh man, that's a scary pop. But yeah. So quick quick aside before we get into it, a few years back I was living in Seattle and we were driving home after going out to eat, and it was like a rainy night because it's Seattle, of course it was, and we were driving down this street, pretty small, not a not a bit, very busy street. But um, these people just jumped out right in front of the car in front of me. So they slammed on their brakes. I slammed on my brakes. And the person behind me slammed into me. And so I was like, oh, shit. So went to pull over. They drove right past me. And I was like, oh, hell no. (laughs) So I jump out of the car. My kids and my wife are like, what are you doing? And I just start sprinting after this guy to be like, no, no hit and run today, my friend. Well, he was stopped at it, or she, I have no idea, um, was stopped at a stoplight up ahead. And I was like, oh, I'm catching them. So I just went in a dead sprint. And it was like 40 degrees outside. And I got about <laughs> 40 yards from the car and pop, my hamstring just went out. And I just kept going. I was hobbling down the road trying to catch up. And I did catch up. And I started yelling at this car. Um, all the cars around them, like, were like staring at me like I was a crazy person. So I got down there, anyway. drivers, I mean, their uh, license plate number, they took off. I called the cops and uh, nothing ever happened because the Seattle police didn't care to help me. So I pulled my hamstring for no reason, but I felt like a man running down the street chasing a car that hit and ran. Um, but it was all for nothing other than a nice hamstring pull, which is what remind- I had that thought again today when it happened. But uh, anyway, that's my day. At least you don't have to call the police today about it. That's true. That's true. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on something. So Mel Kuyper Jr. Uh, just had his latest mock draft come out. And we were joking a couple weeks ago, maybe even a couple months ago, how it's going to be real dumb when everyone starts taking Zach Wilson um, in their mock drafts, putting him ahead of Justin Fields. And lo and behold, everyone is doing it. It almost seems like it's the contrarian take to have Justin Fields ahead of Zach Wilson. So we're going to talk a little bit about some Homer stuff to start off the show today. Let's get into some Ohio State controversy here. How does this make you feel? Do you think it's ridiculous? Do you think it makes sense? Where are you on the Zach Wilson-Justin Fields comparison? So um, I my favorite thing that people love, bring up is they're like, you know what, I, I don't care that uh, just or that uh, – Zach Wilson didn't play as tough a competition. I look for traits. I look for, I, you know what I really look for? I look for those traits. You know what I saw? I saw two games where Justin Fields looked really, really 
not good against uh, Northwestern and against uh, Indiana. And I'm just sitting here, and every time I read that, I'm like, so did you just completely skip the 2019 season when Zach Wilson was like one-to-one on touchdown to interception? Oh, oh, you you didn't care about any of that. You cared about the two-game sample size and not, you know, all of Justin Fields' games being cyborg-level good except for two of them. Yes, you're right. I should definitely be looking at the traits of Zach Wilson, calling him the next Patrick Mahomes, and not, you know watching Justin Fields play for five minutes and realizing, holy crap, this dude isn't even close to his ceiling. He is going to be a mega star. And I think it's funny. But the good news is, is it means that it sounds like the Jets are not going to take Justin Fields, which was my fear. Yeah. And um, now it's there's a fun one. Uh, Kuiper put out a thing today. It was, um, I think it was the 49ers trading up to get Justin Fields at like six. And uh, if that happens, I'm just going to say this. I'm happy. Um, right. <laughs> I've said I've said Atlanta is a landing spot I really like. I actually wouldn't hate Detroit, assuming Detroit still has Galladay. Um, and I there are a few as long as he gets like a respectable offensive line, doesn't have to be amazing. And a um, a like a couple of good skill position players. If he ends up in Houston, I'm going to cry. That's that's kind of one of the I'll cry. And if right. he ends up in the Jets, I'll probably be a little bit sad. Beyond that, I, I honest to God think he's one of the five best quarterbacks to come out in the past like four or five years. I, I think he's that good. And I think the idea like that he's just somehow not good because Northwestern figured out a way to, you know, make him look bad, you know, when he was missing his number one wide receiver on the team. Gosh, it's so crazy that he wasn't as comfortable throwing to his two, four, and like six right wide receiver instead of his one. So it's, and by the way, they still won the game, but it's just silly season. No, I, I totally agree. I still have Justin Fields as my number two quarterback. I, with all this hype around, Wilson, I decided to go ahead and, and look at some tape this week, which is not something that I usually do Who for <laughs> I know. Uh, I love watching games. I'm not like a, a grinder of tape. But I, I went back and looked and I and I watched some videos, even comparing the two guys. And I feel like like he has a, a a great arm. He's able to get it into really tight pockets, some unbelievably athletic plays from Wilson. But like I see Justin Fields do the same thing. And one of the big knocks on Justin Fields is that like he he doesn't always read the field super great, but like Zach Wilson has the same problem and he's going against le- less, lesser competition. So to me, I don't really see it. Um, I, I still like Justin Fields better. If Wilson does end up to the Jets and Fields ends up anywhere else, I know who, Win. and it won't be close. I know who I'll be taking first in uh, in any sort of rookie draft. Uh, and, it, and it won't be close. Justin Fields will be number two right behind Lawrence at the quarterback position for me. Um, but anyway, uh, I wanted to also get into some transfer portal news. My boy Tyler Shuck uh, is off to Texas Tech to join the Red Raiders, which, you know, for him, I think it could be a lot of fun. Uh, this is not very relevant. Um, although I will say if you do college DFS, uh, Shuck's going to be a guy that could be a lot of fun with Bowman uh, transferring out. The job should be his, I'm guessing. Um, because why else would he have gone there? So 
Tyler could be fun. Uh, he he does have a high rushing floor, uh, which you know we'll see what that looks like in Texas Tech. But um, and I mean, we forget. I mean, I'm trying to think. I don't remember who the head coach's name is there, but I know he came from Utah State. Um, and whoever the coach is there, who uh, it doesn't matter. Basically, he made Jordan Love have a superstar level season. So I do just think that there's some. It's not going to be the air raid offense that we remember from like the mid 2000s, but you are going to see a lot of fun offense coming out of that Texas tech area. And while I'm not a big Shuck fan, I think he's a really mediocre quarterback and should not have been the starter last year. Um, I I do think that that's a, it's probably a good landing spot for him from a college fantasy perspective. And honestly, maybe just overall development. Yeah. Matt Wells is the head coach for Texas tech. That's the Um, name. I don't know. Yeah, it's again, he's not one that we'll be talking about today. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, Tyler Shuck, no one cares except for except for me <laughs> because I, I wrote an article that saying tweet. he could be the next Joe Burrow. <laughs> ah, no one needs to remember that. All right. I want to get into uh, the heart of the show here. We're going to talk about coaching moves and how I kind of want to do this is I'd love to just go through in order of your favorite hires, Matt. So start with your favorite one, kind of go through the process, tell us why you like it. And I'd love to hear just from like a Debbie perspective or even a DFS perspective, you can kind of take it whichever way you like uh, some players that it might impact positively or negatively. And uh, yeah, so, so take it, take it away. Uh, I'll, I'll give my thoughts along the way as well, but what was your favorite uh, coaching hire? And, and we'll start with head coaching and then we'll, you know, we can talk about some of the offensive coordinator moves later, but uh, who, what was your favorite coaching hire uh, uh, this cycle? So the, I mean, my favorite one's obviously Sarkeesian. I think he is a, um, he was actually a really strong head coach. We kind of forget that when, before the USC hire, he was actually seen as one of the top candidates in the country for a big jump from Washington. And, um, Yes, he went 12 and 6 at USC, and there were obviously some real off field issues with, or yeah, non coaching related issues with him. But then he he went with Nick Saban, spent a couple of years kind of rehabbing his career. Um, and that's a probably a poor choice of words with him, but whatever. Um, but so he he ended up kind of rehabbing his career, and he, I mean, that offense was pretty special the last couple of years underneath him just quickly i mean we already i'm I'm not even going to mention this year where they are fucking all i'd mention it they averaged 48 and a half points this year per game um and the year before that they averaged 47.2 it's pretty safe to say that this guy knows how to coach an offense the one really big takeaway from a devy perspective and college dfs is that Bijan robinson is going to be uh, the star you're hoping for the reason why he is shooting up Debbie boards. The reason why he is now um, I'm in a campus to can't, I'm in a campus to Canton mock and a campus to Canton startup. He went uh, third in the startup and he went fifth in the mock and on both one. Of, I think you could even argue that that's even getting a discount on him. And it's only because people wanted to lock up their quarterback first. So um, Bijan Robinson kind of showed that he's a little bit special averaging eight yards per carry. But the problem with the Tom Herman offense is that he was running the old urban Meyer offense, which is the spread it out and run the quarterback. Um, which is why Sam Ellinger has led the team in rushing for or rushing attempts for the last few years. 
that won't be the case, obviously, because Sam Ellinger isn't there anymore. But uh, guys like Hudson Card or Casey Thompson, I'm, I I think Card will probably be the start next year, but I don't see any chance that the quarterback leads them in rushing this year. So I do think it's good for Bijan. The other name to kind of keep an eye on um, from a DFS perspective is uh, I think Roshan Johnson is going to be sort of interesting because if we see that they go a little bit run heavy early just because that's where their skill position is, um, he may end up still getting you eight to 10 carries a game. And if he gets that, then you might be looking at someone who has DFS value among the wide receivers. They all suck. Um, I, I just don't think they have a ton of talent on at the wide receiver position. Josh Moore's okay. Um, Jake Smith is okay. Brennan Eagles is okay, but I think Eagles is gone. He left, didn't he? Um, yeah, I think he's gone. Jordan Whittington's probably the only name that I actually like there with any real upside for future Debbie purposes. But even then, I'm not paying for him. Like I, I think somebody out of there probably emerges if based on like their current usage rates from under Tom Herman, I'd have to say Josh Moore, but I'm not paying up for any of the receivers. Uh, I do think card, whichever quarterback ends up winning the job. And I think Hudson card was a highly regarded prospect. So there's a decent chance it's him um, for future purposes. I mean, Sarkeesian's already doing a great job recruiting. He already landed a top wide receiver prospect and he did land a five-star um, quarterback in the class of 2022 in Malik Murphy. So you were excited about down that one the line. too. Malik Murphy is a guy that I was, you know, if Ohio State, when Ohio State initially lost out on Quinn Ewers, he was probably number two or number three on my list of players that I wanted Ohio State to go after. And he's he's not mobile. He has, I think, three career rushing yards in high school. So don't expect him to be like this mobile quarterback. But he actually hasn't played that much high school football. It's just he's one of those guys that they've seen him in camps and he's just like, wowing everyone seems to be a pretty special passer and under Sarkeesian that could be the quarterback that sort of unlocks his system and maybe in that situation then you are looking at a spot where um probably not anyone who's currently on the roster but maybe one of the upcoming recruits um really makes a leap but yeah I mean the issue with Sark is just you as long as everything off the field is good with him, then I'm all in. Then I will fully be all in on that hire. Um, and I hope it is because that I, I think he's a good coach. And we it, we always say the sport's more fun when the Blue Bloods are good. And Texas is one of the Blue Bloods for a reason. And if he can make them good, I'm all for it. Yeah, I am also excited. I think a little bit less excited than you. I look at his overall record as a head coach and he is like between his time at Washington and USC he is let's see 46 and 35 which is like a sub 60% winning percentage so i'm i'm curious what he'll do again you know he has probably learned um a lot from being on save and staff so so that'll help um yeah i think it'll be interesting uh, one of the things i wanted to ask you about specifically um regarding Bijan Robinson um, so, so this past year, Najee Harris had 43 receptions in 13 games. Bijan last season, I think, only had 15 receptions in nine games. Do you think Bijan Robinson has the ability to add the pass-catching um, prowess to his portfolio? Hmm, that was a fun sentence to say. <laughs> or do you think it's just no, not in his he- skill set? 
No, he is. He is an all-around back. Uh, that was one of the things that was sort of his um, things that was considered in his wheelhouse coming into college. It's one of the reasons why he was. I I feel like I always loop things back to Ohio State, but screw it. You do. He was <laughs> you the guy that I do. <laughs> Shut up. In, I mean, he wasn't a huge receiver in high school either. He only had 42 receptions for his career, um, but he was seen as a guy that had good hands when they would go through drills and stuff. Um, I do think that he's going to get utilized a little bit more. Maybe some of that gets offset into, like I said, Roshan Johnson. Um, but I do think he's going to get some of the hit some of my low end thresholds that I'm looking for. And the fact that he had 15 receptions on an offense that doesn't heavily feature the running back. I think that alone is going to tell you that, yeah, he he's, he's going to be very capable. So, uh, that, I mean, Bijan's the, the one major rocket ship to his back. He's going to be, um, very special. Yeah. Do you think Roshan, uh, speaking of him as like a secondary, do you think he will be like a sneaky, cheap DFS play throughout the year? Or would, is it somewhere For like DFS? I, it also, I think, don't use him week one unless the matchup looks like. I haven't looked at their schedule yet, so I can't tell you. But if they're if they're in like a quality matchup in the first couple of weeks, um, where you think that it's going to get out of hand, then yeah, I mean, I think kind of plug him in. The one thing I would say is once you start to get into games where it looks like it's going to be a little bit more challenging, once you get to like the early SEC matchups then you may want to take a half step back, uh, fade him a little bit only because you want to really get a feel for what their utilization of players is going to be. Because what we sometimes have seen is that teams are eventually just going to ride their superstars if a game gets close. And if they're mixing in players, even in a close game, then that's kind of what you want to see for a DFS purpose. Like I said, I think what you're looking for out of him is somewhere on a consistent basis during SEC plays, getting six to eight rush attempts with probably two to three targets. Um, and you hope that he's a pretty solid athlete and can break off one of those into something meaningful. Um, high upside, you're probably looking for those somehow getting to consistently 10 touches, but I would probably bank on your closer to that eight touches per game for him when the season rolls around. Cool. All right. Um, so Tom Herman finishes finished his career at Texas with a 32 and 18 record um, and a four, no record in bowl games. We, I, if I recall correctly, when Herman was hired, we were pretty excited for, for what could take place in Texas. Um, Do you think Texas is a hard job? Well, I was going to say, so that's 50 games and he had a 64% win uh, winning percentage 50 games in. Do you think Sark has a better or worse winning percentage at Texas? Worse. And I think he's gone if he does. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's, I, I, I say this, like I can love a hire, but Texas is a really hard job. Like yeah. I hope he gets things figured out. I hope he had get like Malik Murphy comes in and turns into a superstar. But the truth is it's a really hard job because the moment that, and th- this is one of those moments where this is the, the reason why this would not have been the job I would have chosen for him to go to just because you basically have to be a CEO when you're at Texas, you, you really have to be able to just like, you are everything. You are the face of a program where everybody cares about what you're doing on the program. And you have to talk to donors. You have to make everyone happy. And if somebody doesn't get happy, then they might be pushing you out in like two and a half years. So whether it be 
you can't miss out on like the fact that he missed out on Quinn. He didn't get Quinn Ewers to flip back to Texas. Malik Murphy was a must get. He had to replace Quinn Ewers with someone special. Um, and he did with that. So I hope, I think he's learned enough under Nick Saban that he kind of understands that CEO role, but at the same time, you never really know. I think I would probably lean towards like most coaches, you go in there as looking like the the greatest hire of all time, but Texas is a really hard job. So I think he'll probably get a couple of years. Maybe we'll get a fun um, Hudson card moment, winning a sugar bowl saying Texas is back. And <laughs> then they'll go like nine and three the next year. Yeah. All right. What's your second favorite uh, coaching hire? Unless there's anything else you want to talk about Texas. No, that's uh there aren't a lot like a, a lot of these I'm sort of a mixed bag on, but I'm going to go with one that is going to surprise people. And it's Brett Bielma to Illinois um, in place of Lovey Smith. Uh, Brett Bielma went 68 and 24 at Wisconsin. And then he went to a very challenging program, Arkansas, um, and went 29 and 34. Um Arkansas is a really tough job. I think that it's sort of what he tried to do was basically bring his Wisconsin offense, bring his Wisconsin style, um, bring the hippo package, bring all those things and go to Arkansas and then try and compete with these SEC offenses that were going through a period where all of a sudden everyone got really good at offense. Um, And it makes you look bad. And there was, I remember there was one season, hmm, it was probably his like second, either his first or second year at Arkansas. And he was like, oh, and three in SEC play. But people were still giving him votes to be a top 25 team because they were playing close against this SEC West domination. That was like absurd. So he's a good coach. Um, he has familiarity with the Midwest. He's recruited the area. Um, I think he'll be able to go because he has a decent working relationship with some of these head coach high school coaches in the Midwest. Um, he has a good feel for like who he needs to really recruit with in the Midwest. I think that this is a landing spot that should get him to a spot where they're regularly bowl eligible. And I know this is going to like, that sounds like a, Oh, we've got a guy that we think could be a national championship contender. And now I'm jumping all the way down to a guy that's getting a bowl eligible. But I think that Brett Bielma is the type of coach that Illinois needs because he's going to get them. He's going to be to them on his ceiling upside is that he gets them to being very similar to Northwestern where he just gets a team that consistently plays good offense, good enough offense, pretty good defense. And every single year wins you somewhere between seven and nine games a year. And that will make his base happy until they've done it for like six years. And then they'll be like, why aren't we competing for the big 10? And yeah, but I, I do think he'll make it interesting from a player perspective, literally no one on the roster currently. Not a well, single gonna, player on the roster becomes. So Chase Brown, their leading rusher last year uh, was a sophomore. Um, he was, you know, he, he's not huge. He's five, five foot 10, uh, 188 pounds. He was not like super highly recruited. He, he was a three-star prospect. He started out at Western Michigan. Uh, but do you think there's anything to him, like given just the style of play that, that Bielema likes, do you think he, I- has a chance of being relevant at any point? Not for Debbie. Um, I think that this team is going to be one where you maybe find 
maybe against like a Purdue or a team that isn't great defensively, you can find some midseason spots where you play um, an Illinois running back against um, like a weaker run defense and you can get a solid um, DFS performance. I'm I, I'm fully fading every receiver on that team yeah. and I'm probably fully fading um, every quarterback, but I do think that probably in the next two to three years, you're going to start to see them really beef up that offensive line with just big kids uh, because he's kind of proven that he doesn't necessarily need the high three-star prospect. He doesn't need the, the four-star guys that have NFL upside. He's really looking for dudes that have the requisite size that he can go run his. He was really the first one that started that hippo package at Wisconsin. He, so if he can run the hippo package on you where he's basically putting like seven offensive linemen on the field, then yeah, there's going to be running backs on that team that get interesting value um, for college fantasy. But I mean, from a Debbie perspective, yeah, I mean, probably nothing, probably not much. Maybe, maybe he develops a running back in the next couple of years, but I would just say, I don't think there's anyone on that roster right now that you're really excited about. Let's see kind of what he does in like 2022, 2023 recruiting classes. I mean, if he can get into that like Chicago area, the like maybe he can go steal a player out of like Michigan. Maybe he can get a player from who's like a lower rated kid out of Ohio. Um, I think that you might be able to find someone who's a little bit interesting. There's been, I mean, you never really know exactly yeah. what players are going to get through. But I, I mean, I would say what you're looking for for them is some type of running back who, I mean, they're not going to be a great pass catcher. He's probably going to find you a no Sean Moreno type. Yeah. All right. Um, but it was five years ago. We weren't doing this show, but I, I was excited. Not nah, maybe excited is the wrong word. I was intrigued by the Lovey Smith hire originally, and it just didn't pan out like 17 and 39 in five seasons. Again, Illinois is going to be a tough place to, to win. Um, <laughs> Big Ten is a tough place. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he can do there, uh, Bielema, that is. And, you know, if he can bring the success that he had at Wisconsin to Illinois, I think I think Illinois fans would be uh, would be thrilled. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, Lovey Smith, I thought, did a fine job. I think he sort of um, – he realized that recruiting was not going to be his forte, and he ended up – he was interesting because he took a different approach. He was really the first coach that said – I'm just going to recruit the portal hard to build my roster around players out of the transfer portal who thought that they were going to get playing time at USC and then all of a sudden didn't or thought they were going to get playing time at um, like Alabama and then I can go snag a player who was third or fourth on the depth chart. But there's only so much you can do with that when you're constantly trying to build from players who aren't freshmen. And I think Bielma at least brings at least a little more of a college-centric mindset that he's going to be really trying to build from the bottom up, um, get these four-year players and find a couple of guys that really open up his offense. But I will say, I think Illinois defense, which maybe a few for the last several years has been maybe one to target for DFS still probably this year, it's going to be a little bit targetable, but maybe in the next like two to three years, it's really going to be one that is going to improve. Cool. All right. All where right. do you want to head next? What's uh what's your next favorite uh, hire? Let's go. I, you know what? I think it's, I think it's Auburn. I think it's Brian Harson. Um, I don't necessarily know that this is an upgrade from Gus Malzahn, except for the fact that Gus Malzahn 
has semi-proven that he, while he might have a good offensive mind, he is not a great quarterback developer. And while I don't know that anyone out of Boise State really makes you go, wow, Brian Harson makes quarterbacks great. I do think that you saw that you could consistently see development out of him. And I'm trying to remember the quarterback's name from like two years ago who uh, came out. Sorry, I feel obligated to go look this one up because sometimes I do that. I mean, we saw Hank Bachmeyer get better. The name I'm trying to I was trying to remember was Brett Rippon. Um, oh, right. Yeah. Brett, yeah. So Brett Rippon. That's the name I haven't him. heard since the draft. <laughs> Yeah, you're welcome. But so Brett Rippon, we saw him go from a low 60% completion percentage guy who was throwing, you know, really was throwing quite a few interceptions. Um, by the end of his career, he had upped it to, he was he completed 67% of his passes um, and had a touchdown interception ratio of 30 to 7. And he had an adjusted yards per attempt in his final year of 8.9, which from a fantasy perspective guys i'm looking at to scout isn't really good enough but at the same time now he's getting a real talent like i still believe that bo nix was talented i think that there's a reason why bo nix earned that starting job right when he got on campus i think that he has the ability to make a jump up but we'll see what harson can do with him i hope that he uh develops him a little bit further because i do own one debbie share of Bo Nix, and it would be really nice if all of a sudden he got on an NFL roster. But uh, we'll see. I, I think it'll be a fun one. I think Auburn's offense will become a little more traditional um, because they've gotten a little bit gimmicky um, over the last couple of years. And if all of, if they become a little more offensive friendly than they have been, maybe they're not so reliant upon their defense. And that's probably going to be necessary because they don't have Kevin Steele anymore. Um, I do think that this is probably an overall good hire for some of the players on the roster. I think the name you're, uh, you I'll let you ask me the name that you want to ask me. Well, yeah, I mean, tank Bigsby of course is uh front and center when it comes to skill position players on Auburn. I'm, I'm curious if you think this is an upgrade, a downgrade or uh stays the same. So for the last couple of years um, at Boise state, George Halani has been kind of the lead guy in that offense I say that he did not lead the team in rushing last year it was Andrew Van Buren who did but um he's had productive running backs and he's found he has at least over the last few years he has been willing to give them the ball a lot so that's a pretty good sign for um Tank and I say that in uh I mean in 2018 Alexander Madison had 302 rush attempts so if we're worried that um that Bigsby's not going to get a workload. If you're sitting here thinking that he's not going to put the best guy on the field, I mean, 2018 he gave a, he gave a running back 300 touches. In 2019 he gave a running back 192 touches. In 2020 he gave a running back 111. And I know that sounds like not a lot, but that was only in seven games. So I mean, I think he's going to find his guy. I think he's going to find someone to feed the ball to. And I will say that. He has had a few really quality wide receivers on his rosters over the last few years, and he's really found a way to get them the ball. So I will say that I'm not sure which Auburn receiver is going to pop because I don't know their roster well enough now that Seth Williams and I think Schwartz has gone too. Yeah. Um, with both of them off the roster, I would say that if there's an interesting player on that team, if there's a, 
a freshman that hasn't didn't get utilized last year. There's an incoming freshman. I just don't know their roster that well. Um, that maybe you can see somebody popping off and just quickly glancing at like who was third. No, I mean, it's it's pretty wide open because Eli Stove is nothing. I don't think Bigsby's going to get utilized a ton. So maybe you're going to find a couple of people on that roster who are a little bit interesting, but I would say really look and see how that recruiting goes over the next few years because I do think that one of the wide receivers over the next probably two to three years is going to probably start to see some volume funneled their way. And, I mean, he's he's made guys that were less talented pretty productive. Do you think Bo Nix will run the ball less? He had 108 carries in 11 games um, last season. Do you think, like, I just, I, I'm, I'm not looking at Boise State's numbers here, but uh, Bachmeyer, Rippon, they don't strike me as guys who were who, who were running a, a hell of a lot. Well, Bachmeyer had like 29 attempts last year, but he out, he had negative yardage on him. So a lot uh, of sacks. Prior year, a lot had, of those were sacks, yeah, probably. He had uh, 41 rush attempts the previous year. I think he'll probably run it. They'll run it a little bit less. I don't think it. I think it's going to be. I don't think you're going to have like an option offense. I think you're probably going to see a more traditional running. Like I don't think they're going to be Texas. I think the leading rusher on this is going to be very heavily Bigsby. Um, but I mean, I think Knicks will probably have still have a little bit of a rushing value. I, it, you can't take away that weapon. Right. When you have a guy that has ru- has rushing ability, you don't take it away. And and Nix is the type of guy who will turn a pass play into a rush play anyway. <laughs> so yeah. Um, all right, Auburn. So um, I'm curious. Like Harson's in, Malzahn is out. I was wondering if maybe Malzahn at UCF would be on. Um, it's coming up. Don't worry. Yeah, I was wondering if that was going to be one of the next higher up ones. But if not, uh, let me no, know no. which one you have next. Actually, let's let's go with that one. I actually do think that's it's probably a better one because what he brings is pedigree. So the one thing that Gus Malzahn can do when he walks into UCF that Josh Heupel couldn't do, because remember, Josh Heupel was a first time head coach. Um, Danny White basically picked him out and said, "Ooh, you seem fun. Um, Gus Malzahn knows how and now to... he's done that again. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry. Gus Malzahn is you. a no, no, no. You're fine. He helped. Uh. Auburn get to a national championship game. He helped them win a national championship game. Uh, He knows what it takes to be a quote unquote actual national champion. Um, And part of that is going to be, he can walk in there and say, we need better facilities. We need to do this that we can help bring in recruits. We need to focus on these types of things and whether or not he's able to get all these things. I don't know, but UCF has seemed pretty, dedicated to giving their program the things it needs to improve. And I think Gus Malzahn will help bring some of the power five feel to the power six school. And um, that should be good. I do still think he's uh, a capable offensive mind. I don't think he's going to kill Dylan Gabriel, but I think that Dylan Gabriel is probably not going to put up video game numbers this year. Can I, I, can I pause right there for a second? No. Um, I'm going to. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm not. I'm not going to give You're a bunch positive. of my thoughts. Uh, Melzon, when, when he was at like Arkansas State, people thought of him as like this offensive guru. Did the game change, and he didn't keep up, or were we just kind of fooled a little bit? Even his first couple years at Auburn, it seemed like things were going well. But like to your point, their offense hasn't been that great. Like Malzahn's offenses haven't been that great lately. So do you think something switched? Do you think that now that he's at UCF, he'll be able to bring uh, a, an offensive flair back? 
is is he not the offensive guru that I thought he was going to be? Or I think or, I mean he's a pretty he, we uh, he I mean in 2016 they averaged uh, 31 points. In 2017 they averaged 33 points. In 2018 they averaged 30.9 points. In 2019 they averaged 33.2. And in 2020, they averaged 25.1. I think it's pretty safe to say that um, he's still a good offensive mind. He's not, but yeah, maybe he's, it's hard to stay a guru forever. I think that it takes a lot of work to stay at the top of the, the offensive mindset rankings. Because the truth is, is that since 2016, and so now that's what five years have passed. Would you say that the game of football is the same? Oh, not at all. So I, I think for, I mean, there's little things like how do you incorporate the run pass option? What do you do? Um, how much are you running for wide? How frequently are you using the tight, like all these different things. And I think it's hard to stay on top of that. And it's really the very, very few people that do stay ahead of the curve on that type of thing. And I, I think he's probably fallen a little bit behind, but at the same time, he, I mean, he averaged 25 points a game this year against an sec only schedule. Um, he's averaged 30 points a game for the past couple of years when we're sitting here questioning his offense. Um, I know part of that has to do with the fact that his defense pretty regularly put him in good spots, but sure. I, I think that he's going to get a, an offense this year that, is kind of built to pass just all out pass like crazy. Um, I know they're pretty heavily recruiting a guy that just got let out of his Tennessee letter of intent. And if they can somehow sneak him, his name's Cody Brown. Um, if they can get him in, he's a good, he's a really powerful running back. He would be able to open up the uh, offense a little bit, even further for him. I I do think that there is the, um, the chance that he he all of a sudden kind of gets that offensive guru mindset back because now all of a sudden he's going to be going up against not SEC caliber yes. defenses. He's yeah. probably more often than not, he's probably going to have the most talented team on the field whenever he plays. And that's partially just because dirty little secret is UCF is probably a better place to recruit to than 40% of power five schools. I would say if you're not a a top of the like standings team recruiting to Florida is a whole lot easier than recruiting to Lincoln, Nebraska. I was going to go with Pullman, but yes, I agree with both of those. Yeah. I mean, I would just say like, I think for now, all of a sudden he's in that Florida area so he can, if he just scoops up fast three-star kids from his own state, all of a sudden we're talking about, he's going to be pretty easily the most talented I won't say group of five school because Cincinnati exists, but uh, I mean, he might be one of the, mo- he'll probably be the most talented team on the field for all but one week of his season. And I do think that'll help, um, help him out. I haven't really taken a, a close look at his staff because truth be told, I don't care that much right now about his staff. I kind of, cause I think he's going to run his offense the way he wants to run his offense. Um, but I but do you, think he'll add value, but you, but you said that maybe expect a step back, Numbers wise for Dylan Gabriel, little bit just because I don't think they're the one thing about under Josh Heupel that Dylan Gabriel made work was the fact that they were averaging like 19 seconds per play. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were the fastest offense in the country. I would guess that they are probably 
outside of the top 20 in pace this year. So that's not, it's not that I think that they're going to get worse. It's not that I think he's going to become less efficient. It's just the fact that when you're running seven to 10 less plays, less offensive plays per game, it's harder to put up the same type of numbers. So while I like Dylan Gabriel a lot, and I think that uh, they've done actually a really nice job filling out their skill position players over the past few years, I do just have a hard time thinking of them as the same as they were under Hypel, just because there's there's no way they're going to be the fastest offense in the country. That's good to hear. Um, not in because a... my next favorite one is Tennessee's hire of Josh Hypel. Is it and really? It actually is, and it's oh, not I thought because you I have Clark Lee ahead of that. But continue, continue. No. So it's not because this is one because I think it's fun. Um, <laughs> Tennessee's gonna be a dumpster fire of talent this year. They're literally losing like players hand over fist into the transfer portal. Yeah. They're having kids ask out of their letter of intent. They're, but they're kind of bringing in a guy that says, Hey, I'm going to run a fast offense. I'm going to try and outscore you 50 to 40 every single week, because I know my defense is going to suck. And uh, I'm going to just try and go real fast and try and catch you off guard. I think there will be, he's going to now have, probably equal level offensive talent that he had. That's so weird to say that the talent on Tennessee's offense is equal to UCF, but it's probably equal. Um, maybe worse, but I do think that he, his offense is one that is an attempt to catch teams off guard. And while I do think in the sec, that's going to lead a lot more like three and outs um, than it did in the American conference. I do think that they're going to at least be a little bit fun to watch for what it's worth. I don't think Josh Heupel, makes it longer than three years. Um, I think after his third season, they will probably be looking for um, the new hotness on the market because I don't think Hypo was their first choice. So I think that um, this is mostly a, this will be fun type of hire, but I don't necessarily think it's going to be a good one for the purpose of like, will Tennessee be back? No, they don't have anyone. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I was going to ask, don't ask if me there's about any player on that team. About, no. But there's not really no. like Gray is gone, who I know you like. They even lost like their backup God, running Johnson. back is gone. Yeah. Um, I don't, don't even know who's going to be. I don't even know who's going to be playing quarterback for them. Like, is it going to be Harrison be Bailey, Harrison, you think? Right? Yeah, it's got to be Harrison. If it's not Harrison, then he's an idiot. But because uh, Guarantano's gone. Guarantano's at water. He's in the portal. He's not actually signed anywhere yet, but I, I mean, they're going to find somebody on that team who's fast, who is capable of running fast. And that'll be the the way they do it. I hope they go with the, with Harrison Bailey, at quarterback, or they just randomly any freshman that's on the team. I hope that plays because that's what you should do. If you're a team that's uh, a dumpster fire, then don't play players that have been there for four years. It's true. Yeah, um, <laughs> I I'm not a huge I'm not a huge fan of the hypo hire. Um, I don't want to like doubt what White is doing because the dude is obviously a super smart guy. Like the su- success that he had at UCF, and he knows hypo, so he knows what he he brought in. So like I I, I trust him, but I feel like um, now maybe anything's an upgrade from Jeremy Pruitt because he was a, a complete disaster maybe dude was recruit i mean the dude recruited well because mcdonald's existed so um (laughs) i mean he he was a good recruiter he was building back the talent level on that team and 
just didn't know how to utilize it, I guess. Yeah, it, I I never actually thought Jeremy Pruitt was this great coach. And I think that most people really were just... The Nick Saban coaching tree is very hit and miss. Either they are a... Most of them get hired because of the fact that they have a great rapport as a recruiter. And that is the one of the most important things. However, if you are solely a great recruiter, you also have to kind of be a direct people type of coach. So that yeah. means that you're exclusively handing off play calling to your offensive and defensive coordinator. And you'd be, it better be damn sure that you're a good hire hire. Yeah. Hire. Yep. Um, so just, I mean, that's maybe they need to use like indeed that I don't think they're sponsoring us this week, but they should have used indeed <laughs> to find yep. a good coach. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, Pruitt, I think Pruitt just messed up on that front. Um, but we don't need to spend a ton of time on Tennessee. I really only put them there because they're, I think they're going to be kind of fun to watch at times. And yeah. Well, yeah. Dumpster fire is going to be enjoyable to watch. I suppose that's, I mean, I put Brett Bielma this high and I said that I put him at my number two because I thought that he'd get a team bowl eligible. So that should tell you where my mindset is right now. Yeah. Um, let's talk Vanderbilt though, because I actually, before you you do that, you jerk, we are going to take a quick break. You, uh, you reminded me, you know, indeed, you reminded me yeah, that, that we need to stop for some, some, some of our, our, the people who keep the lights on, you know, we're going to stop quick break and then we're going to get into Vanderbilt. So I know you guys are all anxious to, uh, we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here, Matt's take on uh, on Clark Lee. So we'll be back with you in just a couple minutes. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener, this is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the twelve month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RV Radio Two One. That's RV Radio Two One, and you're going to save ten percent. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. Breaking up is hard to do, but when it comes to your wireless carrier, you should have left a while ago. You're over the big three carriers. You deserve better. Xfinity Mobile. Now you can get unlimited with 5G included for just $30 a month on the nation's fastest, most reliable network. So break free from the big three and save with Xfinity Mobile. Take the savings challenge at XfinityMobile.com slash MySavings to see how much you can save when you get Xfinity Mobile and Internet together. Reduced speeds at 20 gigabytes per line. Most reliable based on root metrics U.S. report. Results vary, not an endorsement. 
All right, we're back. Talk to me. Let's talk Vanderbilt. So the one issue I have with Vanderbilt, the Vanderbilt hire, and it's the only one, is that I really, really hope that he does not try and win with a Notre Dame light version because I don't necessarily think he's going to have the talent to... Shit. Notre Dame didn't have the talent to beat SEC teams with Notre Dame football. (laughs) The one thing is that Vanderbilt is actually quietly a... like It's in a pretty decent location. Nashville, yeah. to, To bring in talent, I do think that you... Like Tennessee's a good, yep, Tennessee. Nashville's a good area to actually bring in talent and bring in good skill, like good players that have talent. And I think that he'll be able to do that. But the one thing that I, part of the reason I like it is because we already have seen he's willing to think outside the box. Now, he did bring in an offensive coordinator who's a receivers coach for the Cardinals. So what does that tell you? To me, that says guy that is working next to one of the more creative offensive minds in the NFL. I'll take it. Um, and I mean, we're both, I mean, we, we talk about it all the time. We both listen to too much of the uh, cover three cover podcast. podcast. Yep. And um, I mean, I'll, I'll just say it. I think that going for a guy that has spent the last like 10 years of his life focusing on recruits and thinking about um, like what matters for recruits, what, specific things you're looking for i think that's a it's a good sign that you're thinking outside the box and yes it's just your quote-unquote general manager and director of player blah 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 personnel or director i don't even know what his official title is but i think what that does is it gives you someone who can look for the three star that's undervalued because he doesn't have an alabama offer the like the really unrecruited scout in Tennessee that just hasn't had a chance to make it out of out to all these camps. The guy that is a track athlete who doesn't necessarily get enough touches in high school to really blow up, but he's had flashes and you, you just kind of, it's good to have a guy that has this holistic take on recruiting because at Vanderbilt, you're not going to compete for the Quinn Ewers and Malik Murphy's of the world at the quarterback position. You're going to have to find the Brett Rippin and the Hank Bachmeyer and the Dylan Gabriels of the world who are three-star guys at good programs who have certain skill sets that make them jump up. So whether it's a guy that's capable of throwing the deep ball, whether it's a, a quarterback that can run a, a sub 1100 yard or a hundred meter dash, um, whether it's any of these things that just open up your offense, I think the fact that he is looking in unusual places and looking for creativity is a very good sign that he is willing to adapt and not necessarily try and be Notre Dame light. And I think that's partially shown by the fact that there aren't any other Notre Dame people on this. Uh, there's quite a few NFL people on this list of people that he brought in. And I, I, I mean, I think that's it's a good sign. And so I, I would be shocked if he doesn't bring Vanderbilt to a level of success that Derek Mason didn't bring him to. I think that he will likely give them similar levels of success that uh, James Franklin did. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, um, for me, like I, I would also like, I I'm fine with the hire, whatever Clark Lee is from everything I've heard of him. He sounds like a great guy. He's going to school that he's very familiar with. Um, 
having played there, That's but <laughs> just just um, in general, like from like a Devi perspective or a DFS perspective, I'm never extremely excited about defensive coordinators taking over as head coaches. Um, unless, I mean, you bring up a good point. They're bringing in a guy from a, a Cliff Kingsbury uh, system that's going to maybe open up the offense a little bit. So maybe he isn't just going to play strict defensive style football. But I, I will say I do have a bias against defensive coordinators becoming head coaches. And, and maybe that's completely unfair. But I just I'm always going to lean to uh, the, the offensive coordinator who gets the shot um, to, uh, to, to, yeah, to make the jump. So um now that's not always the case because we've got a couple of former offensive coordinators uh still to talk about that uh i know both of us are pretty down on the hires uh but where do you want to head to next um i and i i, I couldn't name um any vanderbilt skilled players that are relevant no. for debbie so i don't know if you've got a sneaky no. a sneaky name in there but i certainly don't i don't okay i wish i did i yeah. genuinely wish i had fun players um i will when we get closer to the year and i like start to actually like break down players um on the roster and like get a little bit more into it um sorry i'm not into it quite now and i i can't tell you that i'm weighing on vanderbilt at the moment but i just i whenever i get it a little bit deeper onto like after the spring game hopefully those happen this year once we start to get some like practice reports i'll definitely spend a little bit of time trying to find some of these sneaky crappy program guys that are valuable for dfs so um Let's go for another couple of dumpster fire hires because I think there are there are two dumpster fire hires that are going to be fun um, to watch because they're going to probably be real bad. Um, and I'm lumping them into one. So it's Shane Beamer and Jed Fish. I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about either one of them. Jed Fish was the quarterback's coach for the Patriots in 2020. Prior to that, he spent time as an offensive coordinator uh, and assistant for the Los Angeles Rams. Um I think it's good to go play for or be underneath. Why don't I know NFL coaches? What's the Rams coach name? Goff, that everyone loves? Jared Goff. Nope. That's nope. the quarterback. <laughs> McVay, Sean McVay. Sean McVay. Sorry. So Sean McVay. I think it's good. Again, giving an, another offensive minded, strong offensive mind. It could work out, but dude's head coach experience at, at the college level is being in the interim head coach um, for UCLA in 2017 nothing special. Um, and then, yeah, being the quarterback's coach for the Patriots on like their worst year in a long time. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's anything special really about him. I think that was a really weird hire. There were a lot of other guys I would have preferred. And I hope again, this is one of those things. I hope he tries to do something different because the only thing that I can say about these mediocre, like power five programs is if you try and play like the big boys, you will lose to the big boys every time. It's the old money ball approach. If we try and play like the Yankees out there, or if we try to play like the Yankees in here, we will use, lose to the Yankees out there. It's going to happen. If you try to play like USC or you try to play like Oregon, you will get crushed. Um, the other you, one, Shane Beam. What, before, before you jump, because I, I just want to ask you about one specific player. I know I keep interrupting you. Um, okay. Interrupt me all the time. I do it to you every time. That's true. Uh, quarterback Grant Gannell, there was some hype around him last year going into the season. Of course, Arizona only played four games, um, and, and Sumlin, man, Sumlin just was terrible at Arizona. But there was some some helium around uh, Grant 
And uh, just curious if you think that with the new new coaching here with Fish, I know we make fun of him being, you know, Patriots quarterbacks coach because, man, Cam Newton was terrible this year. But you know, Belichick trusted him with his quarterbacks. Frank Do you think it's not on Arizona? Did he just did he transfer out? <laughs> he transferred to Memphis. Ah, shit. Well, never mind. <laughs> no, leave it. Leave it in. We don't want to edit this stuff out. Let's no, lean into it's it. It's easy to edit it out. So Grant Canel right, transferred no. to Memphis. <laughs> Do you um, think Memphis? Is, no, so who's going to be the quarterback for Arizona? Uh, let's go with the other guy that got reps last year, and that was Will Plummer. Um, I have no thoughts. Uh, let's hope. Uh, I, I'm going to be honest with you. If I put Will Plummer into uh, Google, it... Uh, it comes up with a bunch of plumbers in my area. So I don't. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Let me put a 247 after him and see what I can pull up. I'm going to be honest. Oh, there he is. Apparently, wait, wait, wait. This is funny. College football reference has his name spelled plumber with a B. His name is plumber with two M's, not a B. And uh, so it, it was just wrong. Um, He's fine. He's not. No, there's not a Debbie prospect on that roster right now. Don't expect anything Debbie wise. Uh, DFS wise, give it a couple of weeks. Unless unless all of a sudden someone is like killing it in spring practices and stuff like that. And we start to see reports that somebody is just amazing. Like Michael Wiley. If Michael Wiley is killing it in practices, then maybe in like week one when he's cheap in a DFS play. But otherwise, I literally no opinion about their offense from a Debbie perspective or DFS. All right. But Grant Gannell. Jesus. He's at Memphis now and it's fun. <laughs> no, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to, I commit to you that I will use him in at least one DFS stack week one, just deal. because I, I owe just it to make the sure man. that it's not, you don't stack him with an Arizona player. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, I actually do think South Carolina actually had some talent on its roster. And I do think that there is, I think Ryan Holinsky transferred, which I'm pretty confident about that. Am I wrong about that? I swear. Dude, I thought he transferred. I can't, I'm not Whatever. jumping in any transfer talk for a minute here. Now I'm Whatever. feeling very, but very there, insecure. There's been talent on that roster. I do think that the most interest, there are two really interesting players though, if you're talking about uh, South Carolina. So, and they're both at the running back position. Kevin Harris is probably going to be a DFS college fantasy and sneaky Debbie guy that a lot you kind of hear out there. Um, he had 1138 yards and 15 touchdowns last year on a pretty gross South Carolina team. Um, he also had 21 receptions and a touchdown. He's probably a name that needs to be pushed up Debbie boards. I know um, early on or last month I did a mock um, a Debbie mock with uh, Debbie warehouse um, Greg from uh, Debbie watch and he took him in the second round and I made fun of him. And then I went and did a little bit of my homework about him and realized, Oh no, no, no. I'm the moron here. He's really good. Hmm. Um, the other guy on why that roster, why haven't we talked about him? Um, because we don't talk about, uh, we don't talk we, about South Carolina never, very much. We never <laughs> talk South Carolina. Um, <laughs> the other name on the list is Marshawn Lloyd. He didn't get much. He, he got no usage last year, but he was a highly regarded freshman prospect. Um, last season, people kind of thought he was going to blow up right away. And well, he didn't, 
Um, I'm actually making sure that I'm not an idiot that he's not a 2021 guy, but I'm pretty confident he was a 2020 guy. Um, yeah, he missed the entire 2020 season with an ACL. Um, but he's a really talented back that I do expect to kind of get worked in. Um, for Debbie perspective, I still prefer Harris just because I like to prefer guys that we've actually seen do things and guys coming off an ACL for as much as I don't think the ACL is that like destroyer of worlds that it was probably 15, 20 years ago. I do still think that you want to see how they recover from it because you don't necessarily know that it's going to be nine months and they're back to perfect. Sometimes it's 12 months and they're back to 90%. Sometimes it's there. Um, yeah, they're just not quite there. So I would say uh, Marshawn Lloyd and um, Kevin Harris both stock up from this move just because, I mean, Beamer was an assistant head coach at Oklahoma. So there is something to be said about you're learning really closely with Lincoln Riley. With that being said, this was a stupid hire. He was an assist. He basically his career is being an assistant head coach for a bunch of good coaches. Um, yeah, but it's it's not Will Muschamp, so hopefully it's better. Yeah, I mean he he had done a good job recruiting. I, I'm curious if he'll be able to continue that up. But again, recruiting at South Carolina might be a, a different beast. Um, I was surprised by the hire. Um, just that I don't know. I don't know if Shane Beamer's the no guy I want thought it was a good hire. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's the guy I want uh, repping my school, but I think uh, I think a lot of people expected Virginia Tech to maybe uh, test those waters in a, in a year or two, but uh, but not yet. And they're they're sticking with Fuente for for now at least. Um, so yeah, the last one that I, I do want to talk one last coach because the rest of them we'll run through some of the other major uh, changes, but let, the one last one I do want to talk about, and you probably have a better feel for this than me, is. Uh, Andy Avalos getting hired at uh, Boise State. Um, Brian Harson actually really did a strong job with Boise State. He kept that program um, really good, despite the fact that they lost Chris Peterson, who was obviously one of the better coaches in all of college football. And during his time at Boise, he went 69, nice and 19. Um, and now they, they're replacing him. So Avalos had spent, 2012 to 2018 with the Boise program. So he is very familiar with the team. He's very familiar with the area. He shouldn't have a difficult time reestablishing himself recruiting in that area. Um, I actually think Boise is probably another one of those programs that's fairly easy to recruit your location to, because if you are in that area and you are one of the better players in like Idaho or Wyoming or Montana, you're probably not looking at like super duper offers, but you might be looking at like, if I get a division one, and it's Boise, you're walking in. Or if you are the three-star in Washington that isn't get pulling the Power 5 offers, then Boise's probably the best option where you get to stay kind of close to home and you get to do it, um, play at a high level. So I think he, he'll do a decent job recruiting there. And I mean, uh, now is when I'll let you run, but he spent the last two years as the co-defensive coordinator for Oregon. I know you had a lot of issues with Oregon's run defense last year, but I mean... They've been a quality defense for a while, and I do think that um, it's an interesting decision by Boise. I think that, obviously, his six, seven prior years with them probably made the difference, but um, what do you think of this um, with your understanding of what Avalos did there? Well, this is one of those guys that is, he he's my age. Like <laughs> He is three weeks 
older than me, so I feel better about that. Nice. <laughs> but his first year as the DC was really impressive. He took um, the defense, he took Oregon's defense from being like 50th in the country to a top 10 defense. So kudos to him. He was also instrumental in bringing um, Kayvon Thibodeau in, who was yep. one of the top five, you know, let's be um, generous. He was probably the top. He's the best player to ever play college football ever. Yes, at Oregon. <laughs> um, but uh, defensive end, he was able to bring him in. So he he has a knack for building a defense. I was a little concerned at the step back the defense took this year. We were also, excuse me, Oregon was also super young. And it was difficult with, you know, all the COVID stuff going on in the Pac-12 and in, in general um, was just a bit of a, a shit show at times. Um, I also don't really understand this hire. I, I think it makes sense from this from the stance that, you know, he he played at Boise State. He's coached at Boise State. Um, he did have some leadership responsibilities at Oregon. But again, I I just think it's like if I'm a Boise fan, I'd, I'd rather Harson still be here than Avalos. But, um, you know, you can't choose that, I guess. But uh, I, I was also somewhat underwhelmed. I didn't mind seeing him leave Oregon as a Ducks fan. Um, not something that I was super di- di- disappointed about. Um, wish him the best, you know, but I, uh, yeah, I was not super inspired by this choice for Boise State either. I, I mean, I think it's a, overall, I think it's a fine hire. I think yeah, with Boise, fine. you're 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 looking for the guy who is, I don't think Boise should be hiring someone who's 50 plus at age i like i think if you're boise you're looking for the coach that is motivated because they really want to be the head coach of oregon or they really want to be the head coach of usc because if you're ever getting a coach that's happy with your program then you get really mediocre play you get really mediocre uh coaching um and i think that a guy like avalos who is relatively young is dude i mean he's super young I just told he's, you he's my age. <laughs> <laughs> he's 12 years old. He's he's a child. Um, I do think that's I think that's the type of coach you're looking for. And um, I, I think he will do fine there. I think that he got left a really good infrastructure and the fact that he already kind of knows what the program is like walking into it probably sets him up for success. Again, defensive hire. I do, don't think that it's going to have a major impact on anyone is still really like Khalil Shakir. Uh, I still think uh, George Halani is interesting. Um, Hank Bachmeyer is um, fun in college with zero chance of ever playing in the NFL. Um, But overall, I do think that there's just fun there. All right, let's just run through the other names that got hired. Cause yeah, I will say say one last. I'll save that one last. I do like Avalos's hire more than the fish or Beamer hire. Yes. Uh, no, personal. those are both dumpster fires just to watch because I think yeah. they both suck. I think Avalos is a good one. All right, so Utah State hired Blake Anderson from Arkansas State. Um, he was a good coach at Arkansas State. He ran a fun offense. I think it'll be fun. Uh, Kane Womack was hired at South Alabama. He's 33 years old and was defensive coordinator. Uh, I don't know shit about him. Well, um, I hope he does well. Well, I think with him, like, I think he'll bring that Indiana style. Yeah. Um discipline defense and not necessarily fun um it's also south alabama so who cares cares? we will we will not talk about south alabama much this year (laughs) butch jones was hired at arkansas state to reply uh 
replace uh, Blake Anderson. Uh, everyone kind of remembers Jones at Tennessee. The one thing I will say is that he, uh, number one, he spent a few years with Alabama. But before that, he actually was really successful at the group of five level as coach of Cincinnati, where he got his kind of jumping off point to become the coach of Tennessee. I think this is probably a good landing spot for him. And the fact that in Arkansas, you do have a little bit of familiarity in the South. Um, yeah. With being there for a while, I help, think that'll help him. Terry Bowden getting hired to Louisiana Monroe. Uh, he is Bobby's son. He was the head coach of Akron um, for a while. And then he worked at Clemson. Genuinely could not care less about this move. Louisiana Monroe has been a fun program that runs the ball a lot. Uh, I think they probably run the ball less. But with all that being said, I don't have a huge amount of thought about this. I think that it's Louisiana Monroe. Hopefully they get a couple of players that are sneaky good for uh, college fantasy. Uh, Will Hall is a na- was the offensive coordinator at Tulane under probably my favorite coach in all of the country, Willie Fritz. Willie. Willie? Yeah, let's go with Willie. Um, uh, <laughs> yes. At Tulane, uh, who ran uh, what I would say. This is he's a team that says I can't beat you by beating your by playing your style. So I'm going to do something different. And he basically runs a weird version of the spread. Love it. Love it. Love it. Bring that. And stuff he's at Southern to, Miss now. Will Hall. Now he's at Southern Miss. I was going to say there. All so right. Bring that to Southern Miss and let's have them be uh, another fun uh, team. Yeah. Hopefully Southern Miss is, Miss is a fun offense and. They've had the last couple of years, they've had some talent there. I don't think Jack Abraham is still there. I think he's gone now. But if Jack Abraham's there, use him in DFS because he's fun. Um, all right. So offensive coordinators, because we care about offense. You forgot uh, one of my favorite hires. Oh, fuck that guy. Charles <laughs> Huff was hired. I've given you two. We are officially on explicit level. Um, Charles Huff is now the new coach at Marshall because Doc Holliday was let go. This was, was a weird, weird. decision. It was a weird decision. They went seven and three this year. At the beginning of the year, Marshall was kind of that team that was steamrolling everyone. And then we realized they were sneaky bad and actually not good at all. Um, they made basically the governor and the board decided that Holiday needed to be gone. So they let him go. They brought in Charles Huff, who's like, I don't get this hire entirely. Let me put it out there. So he's a great recruiter. He will, yeah. For Alabama. For Alabama. You want to know who could be a great recruiter for Alabama? Me. Me. I could be a, like, you want to know how hard it is to be a great recruiter for Alabama? Let's call up every five-star and give them an offer from Alabama. Six of them are going to come. Um, so, I mean, he was a, he was the running back coach there. So, obviously, Najee Harris makes him look smart, but really, well, Najee a Harris lot is of, like, really good. When's the last time Alabama didn't have a good have running a, back? Um. I mean, he's only minute. been there for like, he was only there for like two years. So I know not all of that. He doesn't get credit for the guy. He doesn't get credit for Derrick Henry. Um, 2019, Najee Harris was was just good. So maybe he made him amazing this past yeah. offseason. Who cares? Uh, Marshall is still going to be Marshall. Maybe they're a little bit more fun at running the ball. Um, they were already good at running the ball. So let's now, you love offense. I love offense. So you want to know what we're going to do? We're going to make you sad. Because Alabama is replacing Steve Sarkeesian with Bob. Bob. <laughs> Brian, um, I don't know what to say about this. Bill O'Brien did really well for Penn State when he was the head coach for the one year following the disastrous um, shower scandal. Um, but I, I do think he's a good head. Co- he's a good head coach at the college level because he does do the CEO thing. I don't know that he's this great offensive mind. Um, 
I'm not really willing to look up any stats about how good he was on offense, but I just know that he was dumb enough to think that running back still mattered a ton. And I don't want him to ruin Bryce Young. So I really hope that Bill O'Brien doesn't ruin Bryce Young. And he just kind of says to him, hey, you, I used to coach Deshaun Watson. Do you want to be Deshaun Watson? Yeah, let's do that. Um, but that'll be, hopefully, they've got, they have a lot of young talent, I do think. Um, I mentioned this on Travis's podcast. I think I mentioned it here. Uh, they brought in four top 100 wide receivers this uh, cycle. I think that with the exit of Waddle and Smith and the previous years, Judy and Ruggs, one of those young guys is going to blow up. Um, either that or Jaleel Billingsley is going to set the world on fire, and I just don't believe in Jaleel Billingsley. Um, but one of those guys is going to make an impact. And for me, it's Ja'Cory Brooks. That's the guy that if you're in Debbie leagues, please go target him. If you're in any of my campus to Canton startup leagues, I don't think it's Ja'Cory Brooks. I actually think it is John Mechie. Please take John Mechie. Um, I'm kidding. John Mechie went second round, and I laughed. Um all right, uh, but that's enough for Alabama. Alabama is going to be really good regardless of what Bob does. Um, Penn, Penn State. State. So this one's funny because so they let go of Chiaraka. Uh, Chir- let's go Chiaraka. I, I guarantee that's not right. Um, who they had just gotten the previous year from Minnesota. So I don't know if you remember when this hire happened, but they were People so were excited about this hire because they had just let go of um, Rockney, something like that. I can't remember his name. Who went on to be the head coach of Old Dominion? And I'm just putting this out there. Old Dominion scored zero points this year. How bad of a coach scores zero points in a 2020 season? Um, it's because they didn't play football. But um, so Chiraka they brought in, and obviously Penn State had its issues this year. I have to feel like this was just a personnel fit that maybe he wasn't recruiting well enough. I know they had a really really bad 2021 cycle. Um, but they're bringing in Mike Yersich out of Texas, who the previous year was at Ohio state things I can tell you about Yersich. He's not a great recruiter. Um, he almost tanked the CJ Stroud recruitment for Ohio state. Um, I think he's a pretty decent offensive mind. I don't think this is game changing. Um, but it doesn't change much for me for the purpose of Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington, who are the two guys on that roster. Um, receiver wise that I'm in love with. Um, I will tell you that I know Dotson is probably everyone's like favorite because they saw him make that one handed catch against Ohio state. But I I think Parker Washington nearly breaking out as a true freshman is really special. Um, I'm getting pushback on this because I, there are some film guys who disagree with me. I still believe Kayvon Lee is a freak. I still believe that he has Todd Gurley level upside I really, really hope that he cut that Yursich sees the same thing I see and they use him because he was very clearly the best running back in Penn State's room last year. If they come out next year and run the ball with Noah Kane on the first snap of the season, I'm going to throw my phone at this at the screen. So fingers crossed it's Noah Kane because I mean my TV, my my main TV needs to get replaced anyway. So this will probably just help me. So right. uh, this will help me convince my wife. All right. Uh, we don't care about defense here, but let's run down a couple of things that did matter. Oregon brought in uh, DeRoyter from Cal um, to replace uh, Avalos. Um, Cal's defense has gotten quietly pretty good over the past couple of years, so I do like this higher. Yeah, this um, did not feel like a downgrade. I think most Oregon fans are pretty excited about this. Uh, I did want to touch on that. And then 
Clark Lee got replaced at Notre Dame by Marcus Freeman, and this is a fantastic hire. Um, Clark Lee is not going to be, you're not going to get an upgrade from Clark Lee very easily, but this is probably the one defensive coordinator move where it might be an upgrade. Uh, Marcus Freeman basically turned Cincinnati into one of the best defenses in the country this past year, and he was doing it with, I mean, the probably the best group of five talent, but it's still group of five talent. Now at Notre Dame, he's going to be dealing with, let's say top eight to nine per, or 8% of all of college football. So you're talking about one of the top 10 to 15 programs in the country. Uh, I don't know why I said 8%. Let's just say 10%. So it sounded very like you had done some research. Yeah, but so whatever he, uh, so he, you're talking about one of the best programs in the country talent wise, and he's going to get to do that. He is a, uh, he spent the previous couple of years as the linebacker coach. Ohio State really wanted him to come be the linebacker coach at one point. He is he's really, really smart. He's done a nice job. He plays an aggressive, aggressive defense. So I do think this is going to be a team that um, is good. I don't know what to say. Notre Dame is going to stay good. And then Michigan fired Don Brown. And you want to know what this does to me? It makes me sad because Don <laughs> Brown was uh, bad. Uh, he thought that he could cover Ohio State with like a very simple defense and that he was just going to outman him. And then Ohio State just wrecked him every year. So they ended up replacing him with Mike McDonald and Marcy Mar- Maurice Linguist. Uh, I think Linguist is the one that's from the Baltimore Ravens. And nope, I flipped that. McDonald's from the Ravens and Linguist is from the Cowboys. Um, both good. Like I can't, I can't hate on either one of them. They're both good hires. I'm mad at them because they're about to steal a five-star cornerback from us um, by cheating. We cheat all the time, so I don't care. Um, but they're about to get a five-star cornerback um, who's from Gross Point, Michigan, to stay in state rather than leaving for Ohio State. But they're good. I think that they'll probably do a lot of good. The only question I have about Michigan is, I mean. What is it going to take to get him fired this year? Because they did, even though he signed an extension this past year, they changed the buyout structure on it. So it is a lot easier to fire Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I would say if this team comes out and has like eight wins, don't be shocked if Jim Harbaugh gets the boot and they really make a hard push for Marcus Freeman or they really make a, I mean, they want Luke Fickle, but they have no chance at Luke Fickle. So. Yeah, I saw Milton tr- enter the transfer portal this last yeah. week as well. Like, Remember when he was Cam Newton? Yeah, we all thought he was going to be stud after that first game for Michigan. And I told you guys that, hey, his the team he was playing sucked, and uh, that didn't matter. Yeah, But, I, I mean, I think it's... Uh, they've done well this op- so far this offseason. I do think that Jim Harbaugh is trying to not be a dummy, and he's trying to make some good hires, so... He went to his brother and said, "Hey, hey, bro, can you uh, can you please lend me a defensive coordinator that doesn't suck?" And he was like, "Yeah, this guy." And uh, sure, we'll see how it works out. Um, yeah, I no, I don't have a whole lot to say defensive wise. We we don't like defensive players. I'm kidding. We love defensive players from a fun perspective. It's just we don't play a lot of IDP except for you who uh, plays IDP and trades away Juju Smith-Schuster for a fourth round pick. That's true. I did that. It's salary cap league and he was too expensive. So uh, I, I mean, from, I, I think there's a lot of talent on this Michigan team. Um, really. I'm actually excited. They have probably my, one of my favorite incoming running backs um, in this year's class in Donovan Edwards. 
he would be behind Travion, Travion Henderson for me just because I'm a homer and uh, I, I hate, I will never admit that a Michigan player is above him on my board, but I do really like Donovan Edwards, but that does not have to do with their defensive coordinators. Everything running the ball has to do with a good defense. You know this. Yeah. Good defense allows them to run the ball more. It totally fits. Oh, that's great. You you really ran down those last few very quickly. Thank you for that. Because even as is, we, of course, went over. Uh, because that's Watch what we do here on the Rotoviz Fantasy Football. Nope, College Football Fantasy Podcast. Um, thanks so much for listening. It, it, was, it was a good time talking to some coaches. We'll be back in two weeks. Um, excited to... Well, I don't know what we'll talk about. We'll, we'll figure something out. It might be then- time... What, what do you think, Matt? We'll figure it out. Well, we'll do we'll do a show in two weeks because after that, we'll probably have to do a little break because um, I'm not going to be sleeping much. Um, I have a little baby boy on the way Woo-woo. in mid-March. So once that comes, I may take a little bit of a break. And then once I'm getting like, let's say, two consecutive hours of sleep per night, then I'll jump back in and start looking at some college football. Yeah, no, that sounds good. But, you know, what you could do is while you're not sleeping is just lots of research and we could just talk about it. So so my kid's going to be sitting here in, in my arm crying while yeah. I'm doing uh, while I'm like looking at spreadsheets. Well, okay. you, you know how good I am at editing podcasts. So I'll uh, I'll edit out the cries. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. Thank you guys so much for listening. It's fun as always. We'll be back with you in two weeks. Um, we'll uh, we'll have some we'll have some fun stuff to talk about, I'm sure. Um yeah, Matt, anything you'd like to leave listeners with? You can still buy Chris Alave. All right, thank you all. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.